right. So in wrapping up part one, what we learned about Joe is kind of what his childhood was like. Uh, two deaths that he had, one being a friend, one being his father when he was a senior in high school. And then how he dealt with his father's death and what he did post-college. Uh, he was selling a lot of drugs. And the way that we wrapped up part one was he was talking about how he was selling oxycodone and pretty much sold it for about a year before he actually used it. The whole second part of this is his downfall and his addiction to pills and what he really went through. So I hope you enjoy. It is pretty dark. Um, so buckle up. Before I start the second part, I do need to tell a quick story because it is crazy how timing works sometimes. Uh, so we did this podcast uh, my birthday, March 14th. We then went out last Friday night to do karaoke for Sean Mazarone's 29th birthday. Happy birthday, Sean. And while we're doing karaoke, a uh, kid comes up to us and started talking to Hannah Lee, I believe. And we're talking. And at some point, he's like, where are you from? She said, I'm from Sable. And he said, I hate Sable. Sable's like the worst place ever. So then we, she asked him. And what came out of it was he was ripped off trying to rent an apartment from somebody on Craigslist where he left a security deposit. He paid first and last month's rent and then never actually rented the apartment. What you'll learn in this part of the podcast is that person, his uh, quote unquote landlord was Joe Fernandez. I can't make that up. It's way too much of a coincidence. So it's wild how different people's paths cross. So I felt like I had to mention that because it was, uh, it was extremely bizarre. Enjoy the podcast. As always brought to you, brought to you by the old city public house. Go get yourself a French dip and enjoy the second part of the Joe Fernandez podcast. I remember the first time I did it. I was like, this is great because uh, on the inside at that point, I think I was feeling like, almost, like I was like, my dad said, like, what am I getting myself into now? Now it's fucking like, I'm not feeling like just like a possession in the seventh. Like if I get called, like I'm going to jail for a decent amount of time. Like, and I was just like, I tried it and I was like, it worked. Painkiller. It killed everything. It wasn't physical. It was all emotional. Yeah. It killed all that emotion. Everything. Everything. And it was like, I was like, this is great. This is fucking awesome. I have fucking 500 of these things. I can get more at any time that I want. How much money were you making at this point? Like, a week? I don't know. I don't know. Were you making 10 grand? Were you making 30 grand? Were you... No, I would say less than 10 grand a week. But definitely less than 10 grand. Six, seven, okay. which is great. Real money. Yeah, maybe, maybe even, maybe let's say five. Whatever. Yeah. It was, it was a lot. Yeah. For a nineteen, twenty-year-old kid, that's a lot. Uh huh. A lot of money. Yeah. How I long a lot did that go on for? I would say for like. Well, three years. Were you saving any of this money? Everything. I didn't. I didn't go out. At that point, I was fucking paranoid. I mean, I bought a new car. You're white all the time. Yeah. Maximum. Maximum. Yeah. Were you... Like, what were you What were you doing with all... Like, so you had all this money. Where were you keeping it? The house. All that cash in that house. Yeah. Saving, saving, saving. For what? I don't know. How quickly did you... From, so you're making all this money... And then you start using what? I'm still making a lot of money. That it didn't, didn't even put a dent in it. Because I think about it. If you're doing, I'm paying eight, nine bucks a bill. By that time, I was paying, paying like ten, eleven dollars a bill. Slowly but surely, it started cracking down. But slowly but surely, I started selling them for thirty dollar milligram. So you know that ten, eleven bucks did four a day. You're making all this money. That so was not. It was nothing. Yeah. I didn't even see. You're doing four a day at that time. Yeah, I would take four. How much? When somebody gets prescribed them, or what does a normal person take? Uh, I guess it's different case by case, whatever the doctor tells you. But I would normally it would probably be like take one every three to six hours as needed. Okay, and you were just you were just going on them down. Were you were you crushing them and snorting them? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Always snorting them. Why? Uh, it hits you quicker. The first time I ever did it, I just snorted it, crushed it up, sniffed it up. And you were hooked. Hooked. I remember at one point, like, 
crying and I was like, bro, like you're you know you're gonna get fun. Like you love these things. Like and I was like, no, I'm not addicted. Like and then I pulled out a calendar and I was like, look, we'll mark days that we could do them. Like I was like, oh, one week we'll do them this day. Next week we'll do them this day. That is like a turning point in my head and my you know uh, journey of recovery is where it was. That's like the first time that I look back and see that I realize now realize that it was a problem. That did you realize it was a problem then? Is that what you're saying? I I I I deny that I did, but I knew that it was going to be an issue eventually. When you took out that calendar, you feel like that was a turning point. Yes, because you you're like I realize this is an issue. I'm even going to limit myself, and then it my did, it didn't work. My assumption is that you do not abide by that I didn't calendar. Follow that. I didn't follow that uh, oxycodone calendar. No. <laughs> I mean, hey, if you're going to be addicted to something, that's probably the smartest way to attempt. No, I'm good. Probably the smartest way to attempt it. You know, fuck it. We're, doing, we're shooting it hard. Um, I smoked like 36 during this interview. All right. It's part of... This is meant to be... You know what? I, wanted, I always wanted to do this sober, and that kind of transformed into everybody wanted to drink because they were like uncomfortable speaking. So I've done about half and half. Yeah. I've done half sober, half... Um, We're just some Mexican cigarettes, so I don't know how, you, how they're going to be lighter. Um, I've done, ha- I would say, half sober, half with booze. Uh, Wait, there's a pill? There's something in here you crush to make it a menthol? Yeah. I don't fucking want these things. Is it menthol not right now? No, you crush it. Oh, awesome. So it's, I'm, I can share them with everyone. Yeah. This is good. It's like a camel crush. This is good. Um... All right, where were we? So we're getting into the dark. The calendar, the calendar. The calendar is a turning point for you. Yeah. How are you... Jeez, are the fires burning? How are you, like, dealing with yourself if any self-reflection, like, all these people are getting addicted to what you're selling them? Like, is there any thought of, like, I'm, I'm a scumbag, I'm doing the wrong thing? Um, at the time... I would have that feeling when I first woke up in the morning because I wasn't high yet. I would have a conscience and I would have my feelings back. When I woke up, I would be like, I'm, like my phone would be blowing up and I would be in bed and I would they would, I would just turn it off some days and be like, I don't even want to do this anymore. Like, I'm done. Like, and then I would get up and get high and then I was like, fuck it. Fuck it. When, when did you start having that, those thoughts? When I got addicted to the pills. So, before the pills... But before I was thinking of the pills, no, because it wasn't really to the level... Because you couldn't of, relate. Yeah, and it really wasn't to the level of what it was when it, when I was addicted. So, circumstances, I guess, with your customers changed, too. Yeah, it was getting, like, dot, like they were, like, in dire need of it. Like, I feel like if they said, kill, if I said, fucking stab your mother, and I'll give you a hundred pills, they would do it. Really? Yeah. Anything. They would, anything. What was the worst case? I would have this one kid just fucking... If I didn't want to go out, I'd, it's not even that bad. I'd make him go get me whatever I needed, groceries, anything. With his mom's stolen credit card. I've had kids steal their parents' fucking wedding rings and give me their money. And you would just take the wedding ring? No, I would make them go pawn it. Go pawn it yeah. and then give you the cash. Yeah. yeah. And karma really got me. How many people died? That I sold to? At the time that I sold them pills, none. But how many people did I get addicted and then they ended up dying? Definitely a couple. Anyone in particular that really hurts? Uh, no. no. Are you? Do you have somebody in mind? Just, I mean, you were you were selling pretty much heroin to it, a heroin ep- epidemic on Long Island. So, it, no, I'm curious it, it, if there's anybody that's no, no, up. nobody in specific to where I was like, fuck. But I just know a couple kids that aren't from Sable that ended up dying. You know, a couple year or two later and it's just like that hurts it started with you yeah no it started with me and it's like that hurts because now after everything I've been through looking back and I know how hard it is to stay sober it's hard it's a battle every day I wake up some days and it's a good idea to do heroin it's that's how I know it's a disease everything is going great in my life and I have everything I could ever want and I'm getting more and more and I want to use heroin because it's sunny out 
and I, or I want to use heroin because it's raining out, or I want to use it because I'm sad, or I want to use it because I'm happy. Like there's just you can make a reason for anything. You can at work we, we say like broker yourself into doing anything. It sounds like it's the same thing where you can just yeah. like sell yourself any kind of you know you can connect the dots where it's a logical yeah, reason like, to do it. Like we're here in Mexico. I knew I was coming for I'm on vacation. Yeah, like I knew I, was, I knew I was coming for six months. Do you think it didn't cross my mind that there's pharmacies on every corner here? Yeah. I know I can get it. Yeah. I was offered coke, weed, whatever I wanted ten times since I've been here. Yeah. Why don't I do it though? Because number one, I know where it puts where it will take me right away. There's no in between, it's zero to a hundred. Uh, number two I go to meetings, and I don't have those feelings anymore about my dad, about, you know, my self-esteem. I don't have those feelings anymore. Like, you feel secure. Yes. I'm, I'm still, my self-esteem still, eh, but it's definitely better than, it, a lot better than it was. And it's like, I continue to go to meetings because if I don't, I'll be doing drugs again. Let's talk about the darkest of days. Were you, when you were 100% hooked, yeah. were you always selling? Up no. until the time? Nope. When did you stop selling? When the pills, they started cracking down. They, you know, initiated this eye stop thing where it was harder to get pills. The pharmacy wasn't feeling them. Then that's where the transition to everybody doing heroin transitioned. And, you know, I sold it for a little bit. Heroin? Yeah, but eventually I was doing too much to, you know, really sustain. When did you stop selling? Probably... Two years before I really, when I got arrested. What? Oh, that's a long time. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah. So you start selling drugs when you're 14. Yeah. Everybody either has a job Maybe at that 14, point. 14, 15. 14, yeah. 15. Yeah. Everybody has a job at that point. Oh, I never had or a job. Or college. I never had a job. You kind of trained yourself that you can live this, like, lax lifestyle and don't have to work. Yeah. So then what are you doing for money the second you stop selling drugs? I have a, a lot to eat. So you're not working, but you just have all this money. Saved, yeah. How much do you have saved at this point? At that time? I don't know the exact number. I would say enough to last me a year and a half doing anything I wanted. Really? Yeah. A couple I mean, hundred thousand would, dollars? No, definitely not that much. Definitely not that much. Um, like, I had enough to just, I would go to Tampa and visit them and do whatever. Uh-huh. Actually, no, that's not true. I think that was before. No, that's definitely not true. I was going to Tampa when I was... Re- the true reason I was going to Tampa was because I was about to get arrested here. Like, I would go off, and I was too hot, and I had to go. But... As a drug dealer, you were about to get arrested? Yeah. Okay. So that was before. But um, I had enough money to get high every day, and I wasn't going out, so I really wasn't spent to do To pretty much buy what I wanted, drug-wise and food-wise. Yeah. So... You sustain your lifestyle for a certain amount of time, and then what happens when that money runs out? Oh, then I'm fucked. What happened? Uh, well, eventually, I that's when I started. Like, I would like steal my mom's jewelry, steal any money I could from my family, and then one day I got the, the, the looking back on it, the best idea I've ever had in my life because it led me to get sober. So that was the only way it was going to happen. So well, what I, was the idea that as advertised across every single Long Island newspaper <laughs> city too? city. Yeah. <laughs> he's, so, he's a real celebrity. Yeah, so, this is the um, biggest celebrity I've ever had on the podcast. It is. Um, so one day, like, I don't know where are you living at this point? I'm living still on Broadway. You're still living in your dad's. Yes. Are you still living in that same room? Yes. That's like, that's like the metaphor for all of this. I feel like, so, yeah, no, I look like because I remember your your shit was just living in the basement, having a good time, having fun, and then all of a sudden shit got real dark when you moved into your dad's room. Yeah. So one day, I don't know where the newspaper came from. I was just at my house, and uh, it's probably an old newspaper. I don't even know. But it was talking about like the housing market on Long Island and how it was collapsing at that point, whatever, where it wasn't doing well. There's a lot of foreclosure zombie houses. Uh huh. And then, um, like, it was, like, a couple days after they shut down, like, the bat, um, the uh, Craigslist um, sex ads or Back whatever. Back page or on Craigslist. Craigslist, like, yeah. classifieds for sex workers. Uh-huh. And I was like, wow, like, Craigslist sell things, and there's all these empty houses. Uh-huh. And 
I was just like, this is definitely an opportunity. And my aunt's house is right next door to my dad's. So you're still thinking like a criminal at this point. Oh, I am a criminal. Yeah. Yeah. Like you're you're not still thinking. You're full-blown criminal at this point. Anything to get money by any means to get, to get me high. So your aunt lives next door. Yes. She's never there. She's working. She goes to visit my aunt's in the city. Did she, so did she notice there was a lot of traffic in and out of that she house? She knew. And what was her take? She was, don't go to trouble. She knew what you were doing. Yeah, she, she really knew. She, there was nothing anybody could do to stop me. I was doing what I wanted, and if you wanted to stop me, I would just cut you out of my life. And I didn't care. I had no feelings. I don't see you for this. I don't give a fuck. It doesn't matter to me. I didn't even talk to my mom at this point. You I didn't even to talk to my sister. I didn't even talk to my brother. I didn't talk to anybody. I had no contact with anybody. Ever. Drug dealers that I was getting jokes from. No friends. No friends. This is when you... The darkest of the darkest. darkest of the darkest. Yeah. So now, what's, what's your brilliant idea about your so aunt? So I decided to rent my aunt's house to numerous people. In a couple minutes. Just saying hi to the bride. To the um, bride. So I decided to rent this house that wasn't mine. What was the thought process of renting a fucking occupied house? That's just it. There was none. I didn't care. I didn't. I knew I was... That's how you know that addiction is, like, so fucked up. Because I knew I would eventually be caught for this. I knew it. I knew I'd be arrested for this. So what did your ad look like? What did, it, what did your ad say on Craigslist? Oh, you know, room for rent in a house or house for rent. It all depends which one I put up. And the first day, within... 20, 30 minutes of putting it up, someone called. Or text, or emailed. Uh-huh. And I was like, great. I couldn't, can't believe I did it. And they came and I showed them. It was so they, you showed them your aunt's house? Yes. While she was at work? Where, I don't know where, yeah, she was somewhere. She wasn't there. And what was your story? Because clearly, I would imagine, it looked like somebody was living there. Yeah, I would just say, you know, I have this house and I don't live here. And someone died. And I'm looking for someone to live in it. And it's just, it's not empty. It's furnished and everything. Did you tell them you would be living with them? No. Okay, you just said it's your house. Yeah, maybe I'll rent another room out to somebody else, but as far as that, I really won't be here. Okay, so you pretty much said, hey, I'm an off-site property yeah, manager. Yeah, and pretty much people are blinded by greed, because I wouldn't put a, a serious price on it. So when so something's cheap. Yes, yeah, so when something's cheap, all their faculties go out the window. So how much were you charging? It's seven, eight hundred bucks a month, six, seven, eight, whatever. Whatever I got the feel of that they would pay. Okay. And, you know, I would want the first month's rent, last month's rent, and security deposit. So you were getting 700 bucks. you were getting $2,100 check. Cash. Cash. I would only take cash. And my story for that was, oh, you know, I've had people give me a check, and I take the ad down off Craigslist, and then the check bounces. So I'm not doing that, and if you don't want to, don't feel comfortable paying by cash, then it's fine. You don't have to do it. Like, I don't care. So you're very there's detached. You're like, this is how it is. I'm not even... Yeah, like, there's interested. so many people that want it. Like, and I was like, it's all good. Like, and the people would always be like, no, no, we'll get it. Was there a lease? Did you drop a lease? I would just buy one from Staples. Or the library. They have them. You just found a lease? At, yeah, and I would just sign where, where did you go? For it? Staples. Staples or the library. And they would they would sign it? Yeah. And you would sign it? Yeah, but not with my name, real name, but yeah. What was your name? Anything that came to my mind. What's the funniest name you used? I have no... I, I don't even remember, to be honest with you. I wish I did. Probably like John Smith or something. <laughs> like, <laughs> nothing really too ingenious. Nothing. Okay. And then they rent this house. Yep. They give you twenty one hundred dollars. I would do this. And then what do you do from there? Nothing. What do you do when they start? Like, what phone number are they calling you at? Some like text me now app on my phone. You're not calling. It's all no. It, text. it call. It's like you can download the app and you can call. So it's a random number. Yeah, so like a, a Google Voice type. Yeah, of it's number. like a six three one number. Yeah. So and the, but I would rent it to one person. And then, then they get another call on the ad, and I would rent it to another person, and uh-huh. then another person, and then another person. Then another How long person. did you do this for? Before I got arrested? Eight months. And they were... What the cops were there all the time. Like, so I guess the people would try to move in, and they wouldn't be able to get in contact with me. They, they would have a fake key. Uh-huh. So you went to the store and made them a fake key? Yeah. And it wouldn't get them in the house? Yeah. No, I would just get a, any. Key. I would just have yeah. a key. Yeah, you know, just give him a key. Old key, yeah. 
They suddenly. So what is that? What does moving day look like? I don't know. I was never there. Where would you go? I would be at my house next door. Yeah. And they just had no idea you lived there. Mm-hmm. You never told them that you lived next door. No, never. And you would would you be like pe- peeking out the window watching? Yeah, I would see the cops there all the time. And what is your aunt saying? She would she, she would get home from work. A lot of times she would miss them, but people would knock on her door and she would be like, "I don't know what you're talking about." Like, she was kind of like, in, she didn't think it was me. Really? Yeah. I don't know what she thought. I have no idea. She had no idea it was you. I would kind of just like be like, "Oh, maybe it's my sister. She's a drug addict too." Really? Yeah. It's my aunt. Because your aunt asked you. Yeah, I was like, I don't fucking. She confronted you and said, "Joe, are you fucking renting out my yeah, house?" Yeah, 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 pretty much. And you just denied. No, well, it's crazy. Who would do something like that? Who would do something like that? Living right next door, like they're gonna get caught. So you, you literally gave the logical answer. Yeah. What? No way. Like, yeah, obviously not me. Yeah. Yeah. And then what do these people do when they realize they call, can't get in the house? They call, call the cops. What do the cops do? Take a report, and you know the first couple times they pretty much nothing. They would just take a report and they yeah, I don't know. I guess you got scammed. Sorry. And then once they realized how many times I was doing it, then they really got some detectives, and, like these two cops, some detectives. And then they started really investigating. And I guess from there they decided to put arrest a couple times for nonsense, possession of the seven. Like never went to jail, got out, bailed out that night. Out. You had never gone to jail at this point. No. To actual jail. Did you have a record at this point? Uh, no, I always got, I always paid for a lawyer, got conditional discharge, which is, you know, ACOD, adjournment, contemplation of dismissal, which is like, you just plead guilty, they hold off sentencing, if you're good for the terms, however long, usually it's six months or a year, then it just comes off your record like it never happened. Disappears. So just dismissed. At this point, you have a clean record. Yes. You're an upstanding Clean. citizen. Yeah. As far as the police are concerned, yes. They have my pictures, my fingerprints from the because those are our arrests. Uh-huh. They're just not convictions. The arrests aren't on your record. And how do they piece the puzzles together? I guess eventually they, it was happening a lot, and they were like, "How many times things? did you like eight uh, months? How many times?" I got arrested for doing it like twelve or thirteen times, but I did it a lot. Wait, you got arrested 12 times for this landlord? I got arrested. I got arrested for this tw- two times. The first time I got arrested, my, I have a really good lawyer. He got me out with no bail. They just let me go. What did he? What was the story? Uh, what was the story? I don't, pretty much that my client has... There was no story. It was just my client has no record. He's never missed a court date. And he lives in Suffolk County his whole life. So there's no reason why we should think he's not coming back to court. That was pretty much it, and then that would went it would have went to the judge, and we would have made a deal. Official attorney, like I would have, who knows what would have happened. So then I get out, and then I do it again because uh-huh. I need money for drugs. And then the how many times? You, so you said you've done this twelve or thirteen? times? No, that's what I got arrested for. How many times did I actually do it? No, no, no oh yeah. How many times did you actually do it? I couldn't even put a number on it. Twenty, thirty, forty, thirty, and it's around seven. two grand a time. Yeah, it holds sometimes more, sometimes less, but average yeah, two grand. Two grand, yeah. Scummy move. Scummy fucking move. Right. It's right. So then you get arrested. But what grounds did they arrest you on the first time? Uh, so I guess they took my picture from previous times of contact with cops, put it in a lineup, and they were like, do you see the person? Right there. They picked me out. 12 out of 12 times. Really? Yeah. Yep. And then I remember then the cops were... At the house every day, my dad's house, pounding down the doors, four in the morning, three in the morning, five at night, multiple, multiple times a day. And you were in the house? Yeah. Well, how much anxiety and oh paranoia? Bro, still to this day, if I hear like a like a knock, my heart like jumps a little bit. Still to what this you, day. What are you doing? This in is your, four years, five. What no, are you this doing is in your apartment? Years later. What are you doing in your apartment or in your house at this point when the cops are knocking? Doing dope, heroin, and. uh Xanax and you ever shoot heroin? I have, yeah. Um, what? Not not many times. Literally, it started like literally right before I got arrested the first time, and I never could really hit my veins. Walk me through. Walk me through that uh, psychologically. Putting a needle in your arm. Oh, you it's fucking high. crazy, bro. Why did you think that? Like, what brought you to? Because it seems like it's easy to 
snort heroin. To oh, because I just wasn't getting the desired effect. You know, you do more and more, and eventually you build up tolerance. And I wasn't like getting fucked up like I was anymore. I was just getting normal. Are you doing this all alone? Yeah, all by myself. Yep. Yep. What kind of thoughts are you having? Oh, definitely contemplating suicide. I wanted to kill myself. Like this is crazy. Like I can't live like this anymore. There's no other option. Like I can't get sober. Like nobody can get sober. Were you trying to kill yourself? In a passive way? I feel like anybody that's doing heroin has a death wish and they want to, they don't, they just want to die. Because you know. But was I actively like, oh, maybe, hopefully if I shoot up this much, I'll die? No. But I knew that it could happen and that hopefully it did. You know what I'm saying? You were okay. If, I, if that was your life at that point? That was it. I was like a rock star. And then at 26 years old. And you were just totally fine. 25 years old, yeah. God. Are any feelings about your dad, your childhood, Corey, even? Like, is anything coming up at this point? No, it's kind of self centered. I didn't really care about anybody else. It was me, me, me. I'm the victim. It's like, oh, poor me. Are you talking to anybody? No. Like, not texting? No, uh, nobody. You're off the face of the earth. Off the face of the earth. Like, I remember when I first met, met up with John, he was like, Shut the fuck up, Shut birds. up, birds. I remember when I first started talking to John. He was like, where do you live? I was like, oh, I've lived in Sable this whole time. He was like, no, you haven't. I was like, yeah. When did you, when, what do you mean? Like, when is this the first time talking to John? This was after I got After you got Yeah, clean. this was a while later. But I lived in Sable that whole time. There, I remember there would be random Joe spottings. Yeah. It would be like, I, I think I saw Joe. Yeah. But that was it. Because at that point, Jim, like, I would only go, I would go into Brooklyn to get the heroin into the fucking projects. Only white person around for fucking miles. That was fucking nerve wracking. So, how did you get these connections? Through one of my cousins. Cousin. So I would go to the Meeker Morgan projects. I would get uh-huh. another dope head that I knew, some older guy who had a car. Because at this point, I didn't have a car. Yeah, I know exactly what that is. And uh, dude, that's so funny because at that same point, I'm selling real estate all around the Meeker Morgan projects. At this, yeah, that, what this is that? same that's, 2016, uh, 2015. Like, yes, yeah, it's, it's right around the new bridge. Yep, right yeah. by the Kosciuszko. Yeah. It's Morgan Avenue and like Debevoise. Yeah, de- that's, I, would right on, I would go on Debevoise. And I saw the warehouse right in the corner of Debevoise and Kingsland Avenue. Get out of here. Get out. You fucking bird. Um, that's so fun. I'm, all right, so... Parallel universe. I'm selling a warehouse at this in this time period on the corner of Debevoise and Kingsland that goes right through Richardson. So it's right at the entrance of the Meeker Morgan project. So anybody needs a warehouse? Well, it's already sold. Oh, all right. Come on, I'm a closer, Joe. You are a closer. Um. So yeah. So like. So I would go. I would leave the house before it got light out, and I would. Go home after it got dark out. Like, I would just chill with this dope head, like, in Brooklyn. Like, this random guy. Scummy as. Yeah, yeah like, like, lifelong dope head. Like, looks like a dope head. How old? 50. And you're just hanging out with this guy. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. That's, Lou was his name. That's, like, your friend at this point. That's my boy. Yeah, man. We're still in contact. Are you? No. Oh, <laughs> I don't know if you. He's you probably know. dead. So, you and Lou. Did you, is he the one who kind of gave you, not the idea, everybody knows that you can shoot heroin. Yeah, no, yeah, he definitely kind of. Is he the one who was like. The the shooting literally only went on for, I would say, about three weeks. But I I could never do it. I would always have the skin pop, it's called, where you just put it into your skin, not into your vein. But, and then sometimes I would just sniff it, like, this is stupid, it's not even working. Like, yeah. That's why it's a blessing that I got arrested when I did, because if I didn't, I probably would have died. You think you'd be dope? Yeah, because I would have got better at shooting up. There was only like a two, three week period. Where are you getting the needles from? Uh, this guy would have them, this guy Lou, and I would just take a bunch of them. And yeah. just shooting heroin. Yeah. I still have one saved. One needle? Yeah. Why? Like an old, like, no, I mean, not an old one, in a wrapper. Just oh, to remind me. Almost just like a... Like, look, like you could have died with this one shot. It's called a shadow box. Really? Yeah, they made me do it in Rio. <laughs> Some nonsense. They made you keep a needle? No, no, they made you make a shadow box. Like, you, this, like, thing, and you put stuff in it, like, yeah. All right, now let's talk about the day of. The day of. The so big, you're already... Big, you ever seen the scene in Goodfellas where it's like, and then get him? Like, that's what I just thought. But it wasn't like that. It's just skinny. So you get... 
it's hot. They know they they have an idea to you. They you know are, it's me. You, you got arrested. I have warrants. I have like thirteen warrants out for my arrest. I still don't understand how they let you out. The first time after the first time, like I said, I had I had no record. I've never missed a court date. Yeah, but they had you it, at this at the first time they arrested you. They had. Did they have the twelve out of twelve people? Say no. At that point, they only had like three, three out of three, four out of four, like nothing. But how were they? How did they not convict you? Well, you don't just go to trial right away. It's just you're at your. Are you just out on bail at this point? R O R. Release on your own recognizance. Okay. No bail. Just let you go. But there's a pending. There's pending court. There's pending court. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That I had to go back to court. Okay. I was waiting pre-indictment, waiting to get indicted. So do you think even if you didn't get arrested the second, like uh, the the first time would have got you in jail anyways? No, I wouldn't have went to jail for that. I wouldn't have had. I would have probably got an ACOD or something. Okay. I would have. I definitely. It was like an e felony, which is not (laughs) to a normal to the viewers. An e felony probably sounds like lifelong apartment to me. I would. A is the worst. Yeah, I would. I would plead it down to a. A misdemeanor, nonviolent. Oh, so A is good. A misdemeanor is nothing. Okay. That's like if you're speeding too fast. Okay. And like it's a, it's, it's um what do they call it? Um, if you're speeding too aggravated. Okay. Aggravated speeding ticket. Okay. So yeah. that's what you would have put it down. Yeah, to. I would have put it down too. And probably got ACOD because I I had a good lawyer because of when I had all the money I was making from drugs, Eric Gromling's brother introduced me to this awesome lawyer and we had him on a retainer. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that's who actually I used when I got arrested. And he got me out of all this trouble. So he's that? He was a good lawyer. Yeah, he's good. He's good. He's good. So, Medeo. Uh, so it's... Um, so it's 4 o'clock in the... It's like 4 o'clock in the morning. No, it's later. Because I woke up late. And um, it's probably like... I don't know. Let's not say a time. Let's say 15 minutes before the sun is going to come up. Okay. And I would always leave my house, go through the woods in the back of my house to Karen Drive. Okay. What's up, Ryan Romar? Karen Drive. Karen Drive. Um, and I would meet Lou over there. Okay. And he would pick me up. Where does Lou live? Probably some shanty somewhere. I have no idea. Okay. I think Pacho. But, um, so I leave, I get to Lou, get in the car and start going. You know, we drive for like five minutes. By this time, the sun's pretty much up. Almost. It's like, don't. We're heading to Brooklyn. Everyone's on their way to work. We're heading to get heroin and make your more profits. Normal. Normal stuff. Normal. So, uh, what day of the week? I would have to, I think it's, I think it was a, a Monday or a Tuesday. I know that I, I think it was actually a Monday. And uh, what month I, is this in? February. Uh, December. Okay. Because I ended up, it was December 3rd, 2015. Okay. Uh, so, I know that because that's my sober date. I woke up not knowing that that was going to be it. So, uh, we're driving and I'm like, I had two more bags of heroin at home that I wanted to bring with me to, you know, get high on the ride. I did one when I woke up, I had two more left. So, you're high at this point? I'm high. I sniffed a bag of dope before I left. So... I'm like, fuck Lou, like, I left these two bags in my house, and I really want to go back and get them. Like, and he didn't know what I was doing at this point. I just told him, like, oh, my parents, I don't want them to see, so I come out to the street, whatever. Some bullshit lie. I was like, yo, turn around, and I'll give you one of them, and I'll do one. He was like, all right. So he turned around, he's like, do you want to park on Karen, like, again? And I was like, no, park on Versa. Don't know why I did that. It'll be fine. The cops aren't going to be there. Like, why wouldn't I have to just park in my driveway at that point? Yeah. So I get out of the car on Versa, I was like, I'll be right back. So, for everybody who doesn't know, Versa is pretty much in front of Joe's house. Karen is behind it. So, you sneak out to go to Karen versus directly in front of his house. So, <laughs> I don't know why I parked there. But, uh, I get out of the car and I fucking start walking up to the house. And, um, out of my driveway comes an unmarked silver um, Ford Taurus. An older mom. They're in your in driveway. Your driveway. It's, it's two detectives. And when I saw them, I turn around, and there's a Ford Explorer. Undercover. And I'm like, fuck. So I have my phone in my in my pocket, and I'm thinking, like, I gotta get rid of this phone. Like, this has all the information on it that they want. It's locked, but they, 
as much as you don't think they can get it open, they figure they out a way get they, get, they can take the data off. And they might not be able to open the phone, but they can get everything off. Yep. So I fucking decide to take my phone out and throw it. At this time, the cops are out of their cars coming at me with guns. Do they see you? Yeah. Throw, do they see you throw the phone? Yes. Okay. So I take the phone out of my pocket, throw it into my own backyard. And as my arm's coming down, I get tasered. And then beat the shit out of hitting me with the butt of the taser gun in the back of the head. But stop resisting arrest. I wasn't resisting arrest because there's no point to resist arrest because they always fucking win. They have, yeah. So you got They beat the out. shit out of me, whatever. Yeah, not nothing too great. They beat me up, whatever. Got a couple lumps, got a couple scratches. Nothing, nothing bad. They fucking cuff me up real tight. Like, my hands, I can't even feel them. And they throw me in the back of one of their cars. They're high-fiving each other like, yeah, we finally got them. Like... And I'm just like, Fuck. you're like a, you're, you are like their, uh, their target, their number one. You're their most wanted. So they got me, you know, they bring me to the police station, fingerprint me. And at this point they put it on the news. All right. So then they blasted. They were arresting me for like four more. So that I brought it to like eight, seven or eight arrests that I was getting arrested for. They put it on the news. All oh, Lord, these people come forward. So I'm in a jail cell in the 5th Precinct, and the first time I realized I was on the news was a fucking scumbag cop the rest of me comes up, he's like, look, you're famous, and like, in the in the officer's booth there's a TV, and I can just see my face, like, and that's when I was like, holy shit, like, I'm fucked. Then I, you realize how serious this is. I'm like, I'm fucked. I'm like, I'm fucked. They keep me in the precinct for two days, so from, that was, I got arrested like early, early Monday morning. And I didn't go to court till Wednesday afternoon. So I'm in a cell 24 hours a day. Sick as a fucking doll. So you're withdrawing now? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Shitting, pissing, throwing up. The worst feeling you could ever feel. Like, the worst? The worst. Is it like having the flu? Or like worse. What can you compare it to? I can only imagine it must be in the end stages of cancer. Really? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's probably not that bad. Do they give you a doctor or anything at this point? They take you to the hospital. They give you something called protocol, a modium AD, and Advil. But Do they know? They know you're oh, yeah, they a know. junkie at this point. Yeah, but nothing like um, Suboxone or Methadone, nothing like that, which is supposedly to help people off drugs. That's a whole other podcast we can get into. But uh, I don't believe it. It's a scam. So pretty much the, the drug maker makes the solution to the problem that they cause. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> no, I I could go on for that for a while, too. We'll save that for another Tune day. Tune the next episode. Um, so you're heavy withdrawing for heavy, 48 hours. Heavy. Heavy. Bad. Like bad. Terrible time. Like, then I really wanted to kill myself. Like, I wanted to hang myself anything I could do. It's not possible. Did you try? No, it's not possible. You can't do it. You take you tear people's clothes. There's nowhere to hang. I've de- definitely considered it, but it's not about really possible. Um, you take your shoelaces, whatever. No blanket, no pillow. I'm sleeping on a fucking wooden slab of wood with toilet paper as my pillow, next to a fucking toilet bowl that hasn't been cleaned in like 40 years. Ugh. Just smells like rotting piss. And uh, I need to this day if I go into like the bathroom somewhere and it smells like piss, like I'm like, yeah, you get flashbacks. Never again. So I go to court. You know, I'm thinking. My lawyer's money, like, he's gonna get me out again, like, it's all good, and I went in front of the same judge, he's actually from Seattle, Pierce Cohal, who I talked to today. You talk to him now? Yeah, I see him all the time at the beach, and, uh, he's just looking at me, shaking his head, like, you're an idiot. Yeah, and my judge is like, oh, he should be ROR, like, this is, he didn't do this again after he let him out, this is just more people coming forward, that was his argument to him. And then just returned and he was like, no, he did this again on this date, this date, this date. They were trying to slay me. The judge was like... And you did. Oh, I 100% did it. And the judge was like, I can't let him out again. 150 over $200,000. And you weren't posting? No. God, no. And my mom was there, who I hadn't talked to in the court, who I hadn't talked to in a long time. And she's just sitting in, like, the audience. And I'm just shaking my head, like... Because she doesn't know what she's... Did you make eye contact with her? Yeah. And what was, was that moment like? Sucked. Because, I, like I said, I hadn't talked to her in a long time. Is this the lowest point of your life? Yes. 100%. Is that a vivid memory to yeah. you? Yes. I like, just remember shaking my head and looking at her, like, telling her, like, this isn't going to be good. 
like, this is not going to be good. Let's go. I knew that I wasn't. What's gonna her go. emotional response right now? She's like crying, not like hysterically crying, but I could see tears. And I'm like, fuck, this is so fucked up. And look, mind you, I haven't talked to her in like a year. I'm like, fuck, man, like, this sucks. And the reason I don't get emotional by any of this is because I talked about it so many times. I to random strangers, I go to schools and speak to kids. I go to meetings and speak. Like so, I, by this point, it's like, oh, old hat for me. Like, oh, yeah, you know, I fucking robbed my mom. You know, I did all this, like, because I'm okay with it today. Like, I yeah. can't live in the past. Like, I did this, and it got me to where I am today. And I'm sorry that that's what it took, but that's what it took. And this is what I did. If you want to judge me for it, go ahead. It's fine. Like, I'm okay with that. But if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't be who I am today. Or you wouldn't be here. Or you'd be dead. Exactly. Sounds like. So, they give me that bail. I know I'm not getting out. Well, there I could have gotten out. My mom was... So, I get back. I get... They put me in the fucking... They lock me up, put me in the cell, put me on a bus out to Yatbank. I went to Yatbank first. Uh-huh. You know, throw me in jail. They put you in something re- reception. 23-hour-a-day lockdown in a cell. We're almost out of time. No, uh, all right, we're fine. So, 23 hour lockdown. Um, and uh, that was nothing to read, nothing. No TV, nothing. You get out one hour today, take a shower, and make a phone call. So, I get there, and it's like, all right, 23 hour lock in. With withdrawal, it's insomnia. Like, I remember there's no clock, there's, you can't see outside. So, it lights on 24 hours a day. So, I, I would, every 15 minutes, the guards walk around and look in your cell to make sure you're not killing yourself or something. That's how I would keep talking. Oh, really? That was like a point where I thought I was going crazy. Like, are you... 15 minutes. Is it out of your system yet at this point? No. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm full on withdrawals. You're full... You're done Done with... Are you done with withdrawals right now? Oh, me? No, no. Oh, at this point? No. It went on for weeks. Weeks. Yeah. Oh, so this is this is still... This, this is, is like worst. three days after. Yeah, this is the worst of it. Okay. It's like, I would say three days to two weeks is the worst of it. No, three days to like ten days. Okay. So no, I mean day one to day ten is the worst. Yeah. So I'm keeping time by fucking watching these fucking assholes for six days. Are you eating? Barely. Are you like what's your access to water? Oh, I had a sink. So you're just drinking, that's all you can that's really all you have. Yeah. And uh you know, after six days, go about, like, so on the fifth day, because I was going crazy. I just wanted to go, like, the cops told me, like, because in jail, they say you have the complexion for the connection. <laughs> if you're white, everything goes your way. It's all white cops in there. Uh-huh. And the cop told me, he's like, listen, he's like, you want to stay here as long as you can. You don't want to go live with those people. I'm assuming he's talking about black people. He's like, they're crazy. Like, dude, they're going to eat you up. Because this time I'm frail as fuck. Probably way the lowest I've ever weighed in my life. 195 pounds right now, uh-huh. 235. Yeah. Um, and he's like, you want to stay here for as long as you can, but I didn't care. Like, I by day five, I wanted out. Like, you just wanted I, out. I didn't care where I was going. Put me in with the fucking murders. I did not care. Are you thinking about how do you get drugs? At that time, it was a thought in my head, but it was like, it's probably more trouble than it's worth here. Because this time, I had no money to buy anything in jail. Like, I had no commissary, no nothing. Do you know, at this point, are you, even though it's miserable, are you starting to think that this is for the best? Yes. I started to think, you know, this might be a blessing in disguise. What day? Like, oh, I, I, when does that thought start happening? Who knows? I don't know what, I really didn't know. I couldn't tell you, like, the times, because I was like, but yeah, you're probably I was there for at least a day when I first started. You're in Yapping. starting so that's to four, think, you know what? Uh, so maybe four days, this is four days. Maybe this yeah. is good. Yeah. So you know. So then I day day five comes. Um, you're supposed to only be in twenty three hour lockdown for three days. Day five comes around. Everybody that I went into lockdown with me that day is starting to get out. Like they're going around to their cells, like telling them, like knocking on the door, like like roll up. They say like roll up your shit. Your shit consists of a green blanket, a sheet. That's it. And two bears on the bear, two bears socks, and a uniform. So, I'm like, yes, I just start packing my shit up. They didn't even come up to my room yet. I'm like, I can't wait to get out of here. Like, that was the first time I felt normal again. Like, back to myself. Like, I guess because the adrenaline was pumping through uh-huh. me, and I was like, I was, didn't feel sick. I was like, yes, I can't wait to get the fuck out of here. I don't care where they're sending me. I'll make friends. I'll do whatever I have to do. And they don't come up to my door and tell me that I'm going anywhere. Do you lose your shit? I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, and I, by to this point, I was super respectful of all the guards. Like, These people, I've seen them beat the shit out of people in there. 
break their arms, punch them so hard that they shit their pants. The cops. Do yes. This. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? He's like, no, I'm not fucking kidding you. Like, you got to go to court today. So we're just going to move you tomorrow. So then I ended up getting out to go to court that day. And I went in front of the judge. And the DA was like, yeah, three to six years. Uh, no, uh, one to three years. Upstate. That was my first offer. One to three years, okay. which means you'll go for a minimum of one year, possibly could be three years. Chances are I would have went for nine months, then got paroled home for uh, two, two years. So what did your lawyer say? He laughed at me. Really? He just laughed right in the DA's face. Like, <laughs> no. He's an addict. He didn't do this maliciously. Like, he did do it maliciously, but if it wasn't for this drug, he would not have done this. Like, he needs help. He doesn't need jail. We need to rehabilitate him. And the lawyer, the DA was like, no. Like, he needs to go to jail. And then my lawyer said no, and he told me that day. Because at this point, I, we got to back up for one second. My mom was going to bail me out. She was going to put up her house and get me out. Really? Yeah. And this woman now, who I rent my apartment from, she's been sober for 40 years. My sister's best friend's grandma. Okay. She called my mom, and she said, I bailed my daughter out of jail in Texas in 1975, and she got out that day and overdosed and died. Don't bail her out. And I remember that phone call when I got out of 23 in a lockdown. I'm calling my mom. She's like, I'm not bailing you out. I'd love the fuck out of us. You got to get me out of here. Like, they're going to kill me in here. Like, you got to get me out of here. I just wanted to get out at that point to get high. And she's like, I'm not bailing you out, but I'll get you the best lawyer money you could buy. Yeah, that's what she did. So. Which like, is probably the best. Yeah, that was the probably best course. the best thing That was the best course of action, actually, yeah. So, my after the DA said one to three, and my lawyer laughed, he's like, you're going to have to give me six months. Okay. You gotta give me six months. Like, you're gonna have to stay here. And I'm like, all right. So you get six months? No, he's like, you're gonna have to give me six months to work out a deal. Oh, okay. So I'm like, I mean, I guess I have no choice. It, not in 24 hour lockdown. No, no. This Then I got, then I got, I got a new judge and got remanded. So I had no bail anyway. Okay. Remand means no bail, no bond. You're not getting out. You're not going anywhere until your disposition is settled. So all this time counts, though, towards whatever your sentence is. All this time will count. So. I remember the, I went in front of the judge, the new judge, and he, like, pulls out my record, which is only, like, a couple pages. It's, like, possession in the seventh. Like, all that I've been, that I've been adjudicated with dismissal. And he's like, I don't understand why we're trying to send this guy. The judge says this? Yeah, he's like, I don't understand why we're trying to send him to jail. Like, this judge, his name is Fernando Camacho, and he's, like, totally different than any other judge around. Like, he'll talk directly to you in court. And he's like, I don't understand why we're trying to send him to jail. He doesn't have a record. He's clearly an addict. The DA was like fighting, so then they sent me back to jail for another two weeks. So this time I'm there for like six months, two weeks. And then I go back to court and he's like, listen, Joe, I'm going to give you a chance here. (laughs) And if you mess it up, you're going to jail for one to three years. I promise you you're going to jail for two years. He's like, what you're going to have to do? I don't think you're going to be able to do it. He's like, you got to go to inpatient rehab for one year. You have to go to in- outpatient rehab for one year. And you have to do five years of probation. Inpatient rehab for one year, outpatient for one year. And so you're in rehab for a year is what he's proposing. And I had no choice but to take I didn't want to go upstate. I could have been out in nine months out of state, but I would have had to plead to a felony. So you never pleaded to a felony? I have nothing on my record for this. Really? I'll, I'll get to that. So I said, all right, sign me up. The next day they opened the door and let me out. I went to Phoenix House in Hot Pog. Right in Hot Pog. So you did it. Wow. Yeah. So I get to Phoenix House and... Uh, You've never done jail. So you really... Uh, this is, I'm learning this right now. I thought you were in jail for two or three years. No. No. I went to Phoenix House and outpatient. And I had to live in a sober house in, a, in the sober house in the hood of CI for a, for a year also. During that year that I was in outpatient. Yeah. I couldn't go home. What there was, was no home at this point anyway. What was a year of rehab like? Oh, hold on. How much? What's the difference between when you got arrested to when you got put into when you walk into rehab? About six months, uh, two weeks. And three okay, weeks, so, you, like so you're in. You are in in jail for six months. Yeah. So that's gotta suck. What was the worst part about that? Uh, honestly, Jim, it wasn't bad because I was sober. I was having. I was laughing at the TV. Like I, I remember the first time I saw a commercial and laughed. That I was like, holy shit, this is crazy. Like, I'm feeling, I'm getting, I just got goosebumps. Like, it, this is crazy. I just laughed. Like, it's a natural feeling. I'm having feelings. Oh, it's a shitty situation. I'm with these fucking people that are just 
criminals. They have me in a felony pod with all fucking people that are there for like felonious assault. So you laugh. at this point, I got moved to Riverdale. You laugh and you realize I haven't laughed in a long time. How long? Yeah, and I was like, wow. So like, I was not happy. I wanted out. Don't get me wrong. I wanted to get out of there, but I was like, wow. Like this, this isn't. This is. It's, progression. Yeah, it was like a period of self-reflection. And I knew, sober. I knew I wasn't getting drugs in there. It was really hard. As much as people want to think there, it's hard to get drugs. You're in fucking lockdown dorm. Like you're not. Nobody really gets out. To do it. Nobody's work gets work detail. So it's hard. So I knew I couldn't get it, and I felt safe. Like I made, at the first couple of days, the blacks they thought I was a cop. Like oh, let's play your bunk, white boy. Like stay on your bunk. Like bunk them out of your cell. Like good. and then and. Then eventually they realized I wasn't a guy. Because they take, they'll go around and like read your DIN number, it's called, your bracelet number, and then they'll call home and then you can check on webcrims what somebody's charges. It's like a website. Oh, so then they realized. And they were like, yeah, this guy is just a criminal, like us. Do you make any friends? One person I, I actually, he, he ended up being my sponsor. Really? Yeah, yeah, you I met still, in jail. yeah, I still talk to him to this day. He sponsored me. What was he in jail for? For selling drugs. But he was sober? I mean, he would dabble, but he, he said he was a drug addict guy with the drug charges. But he he definitely was an addict, but not, not to the level that I was. Okay. He ended up going to meetings just to bullshit the system, but then ended up really realizing that he got something out of it. Continued and did the steps and got me through it. So I did the 12 steps. I have a home group. I have a commitment. I still do to this day. How often do you go to meetings now? Uh, not as much as I used to go. I go one day a week to my home group. That's pretty, pretty much it. Where's that? Uh, paper. Middle road. And from all of this, and you referenced it earlier, it sounds like, obviously, I think we can agree that this is the right thing for you. And yes. It, and it worked. Yes. But you also have this whole other side of you that is now giving back and trying to help people. Yeah. Where do you think that comes from? Um, in order to keep it, I have to give it away. When I'm feeling shitty... The only way for me to feel better is to help somebody else. Like accountability. Yeah. The ca- that's exactly what it is. That's actually the exact word. I have to give it away to keep it. I have to help other people. I have other addicts, to be more specific. And it's, Jim, it's, it's upsetting. It doesn't fucking work. Out of a couple people that I've helped, one person, maybe, I don't even think that one person is sober. And, uh... It sucks, but that's not going to deter me from helping other people, trying to help other people, because I'm not responsible. I'm responsible for the effort, not the outcome. That's the be- that's the way my sponsor describes to me. You're not responsible for the outcome. You're responsible for your effort. As soon as I was able to step back and take a look in the mirror at myself and stop saying it's your fault, your fault, your fault, your fault that I'm like this, the first time I looked in the mirror at myself and said maybe it's you, that was a huge change. For me. When was that? So I was in rehab. When I first got to rehab, I met my counselor, who I still speak to to this day. He changed. He's the one that really changed my life. Or I changed my life. You always say that. I say he changed my life, but he says you did it. And I sat down, and he said to me, first thing, Ahmed, what's your name, Why do you do drugs? Well, because my dad died. And he looked at me and goes, that's a bullshit excuse. Get off the fucking pity potty. Your dad's dead. And I fucking bugged out on him and just walked out and went upstairs to my room. Kept it real. And I laid down on my bed and I was like, why did I just get so mad? Maybe. Because he's right. And after a couple days, I went down and sat down. He's like, oh, Mr. Fernando, it's good to see you again. And I was like, he's like, what can I do for you? And I was like, well, you were right. And then from there on out, he just didn't want to... Admit that it was you my didn't fault. want to admit that he it was, was right. Yeah, it was. I, I did though, but it was like it was. This was my fault. Plenty of people have worse circumstances than I did, and they're not drug addicts, and they prospered. I used them as my coping mechanism. This was my fault, my choice. I had choices, and I chose to do the wrong thing. And now, I've, now I have to face the consequences. What was the hardest? Which? What was the hardest step for you in the program? The hardest step for me was making an amends with people that I've hurt. Who specifically was the hardest to make amends with? Or, you know, a couple of people. My mom was definitely the hardest. I still, like I said, I took her jewelry. I, I stole from her. Like, that was definitely the hardest amends I had. 
what was that conversation like when you had to communicate to her your apology and your kind of issues? It was like, you don't say you're sorry. How many times have we said we're sorry? And nothing's changed. You have to just make a promise that you're going to change. Like, I'm going to change. I'm not sorry because I did this. But I promise you I'm going to change. And I'm so lucky because she was so receptive to it. And today she's my best friend. She, like I said in the beginning, she used to be like a, an alcoholic. Now, does she still drink once in a blue moon, but nothing to the level that it was. Do you feel like you had something to do with that? Definitely. And also my sister. Because my sister's been clean for five years now, longer than me. She didn't get arrested or anything. She just chose to do it. Now. But then that's also, was, I was very, very lucky to have someone so close to me be able to bring me through this program and show me this. So you and your sister, and it sounds like for the most part your mom, all have changed your lives. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. What does the future hold for you? Oh, big things, Jim. Um, well, what do you want it to hold, I guess, the real question? Well, number one, sobriety has to come before anything, before my family, before my friends, before my job, before anything. Because without sobriety, I have nothing. It has to be number one. So without that, there is no two, three, and four. It's touched on something that, I don't know, we'll see. You've never been in a relationship, to my knowledge. Have I ever been in a relationship? I mean, probably co-addicted relationship. With? Life. How long ago was that? When I was getting high, probably, so probably like, I don't know. How long ago, or how long was it? Yeah, how long ago? Like three years. Three years ago? Yeah. Or no, 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 no. No, it couldn't five, uh, five years. What? Do you see yourself settling down with somebody? Um, yeah. It's, at some point, it makes me kind of a little nervous because everybody that I was in rehab with was there for was there for multiple stays, multiple times, and every single time they were there, what would? Because uh, I, when someone relapses, I always ask what happened, just so I could look back for myself and say, okay, you don't want to do this because this is what led a lot majority, and uh, this was what led people to relapse. And I'm not even kidding you, nine times out of ten, it's in a relationship. With that being said, it's not healthy for me not yeah, to avoid it. It's not. But it's like... That's not a good perspective. No, but it's it's hard, man. It's, it's hard. I come with a lot of baggage. Everybody does. No, you're right. And it's like... It's just like... I'm, I'm definitely... Do you seek? You know? No. Why? Because, like I said, I, it, I feel like... But I, even casual. No. Well... I've literally that's not. That's unique. It is unique. Most people, if they don't want a relationship, they still seek casual sex. No, I hear you. I don't. It's fucking weird. That's weird. It is. But it's like, I'm just so scared to get into a relationship with someone and have, say, even a casual relationship and develop feelings and then have something go wrong and where I'm hurt and then what will happen. That's where I work on myself. And I work on this with my sponsor. Like, And he's like, <laughs> he's like, you just gotta do it. And deal with it when the feelings come up. Have I? No. We'll see. You know what I mean? That's part of the next chapter. Chapter 73, yeah. <laughs> you already 72? Yeah. <coughs> okay. Do you see yourself getting married? No. Why? Just because I feel like and we're here for a wedding. How fitting! Yeah, fucking well, hate marriage. They never last. No, it's, it's just like it's just like. I mean, I'm not saying that I'm opposed to it. Like, if someone wants to get married, go ahead and do it. But what do you need that piece of paper for? People want commitment. Most people want commitment. Yeah, but you, you have to have a legal binding commitment on paper. Like, you can't just trust somebody enough. Because I have serious trust problems. Like, it's hard for me to trust people. So it's like, why do you think it's so hard? I think it was from, you know, selling drugs, dealing with addicts and shit, and it just trickled over to my regular sober life. You know what I mean? It's like when you... I think a tr I think trust issues are... There's probably more to that, because there's... I think probably the best drug dealers are extra paranoid, but yeah. there's still drug dealers who are able to then trust people. Yeah, no, I've, so, I've I never... Don't... I think, you know, in therapy, we, we, were, we would talk about this at... No, I'm like, we would never get to the root of the problem. And trust me, like, I'm completely... Did your parents break promises to you regularly growing up? No. That was, like, the number one question that Ed, my counselor, asked me. But, like, 
No, not really. Anything that was like your really siblings? No. What about social situations? Like friends and did you feel like left out of things and I never felt left out. I always didn't feel a part of that. And I don't know why, because I thinking back I was. I was. Yeah. It's 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 crazy, man. Like yeah, you what was always interesting about you, and correct me if I'm wrong, but my assumption is whenever it came to the first person to do drugs, the first person, I, my assumption is you were never a follower, you were more of the leader. You weren't. Is that a correct assessment? Um, yeah, I, I, I mean. Like you, I've never known you to be somebody to get pressured into things. It was, yeah, we're going to, we're going to fucking do coke because I want to do coke. And then. Yeah, I mean. I I never really think of myself as the leader, believe me. I like to think of a middle of the pack type person, blend in and just go with the flow. But I guess when it comes to drugs, yeah, I'm the leader, forefront. But that's not like obviously it's a negative, you know, activity, but it's still a positive trait to be the person who is, you know, the one up front opposed to just following what other people say. Yeah. It's funny though that you feel like you never that you even though you were part of things, you never felt a part of it. I know, isn't that? I don't know why I feel that. Listen, just because I'm sober now and I'm doing the right thing, that doesn't mean that all my shit is good. Like, that's what I feel like a lot of people think. Like, oh, he's sober, he's good. I can relapse just like the next guy. Yeah. I, we all have the same 24 hours. I can re- I know that I'm not doing drugs today. I know that I'm not going to. But tomorrow, I might. I don't know. I cannot think about it in long terms. I have to think about it in a 24 hour increments. What, how hard, how hard is it? And I guess how hard is it not to judge just like us? Always getting fucked up. I definitely judge, I definitely judge some people. Yeah. 100%. And is that, so, how do you feel, like, how does that make you feel when you're constantly around it and you're just like, wow, these people are constantly fucked up? I feel like I got a chair for you one day. Yeah. In an AA meeting. <laughs> and whenever you're ready, let me know. <laughs> That's really how I feel. I mean, sometimes I'll say something, and then I'm like, oh, you, you know, you shouldn't say that. People have to come to you on their own conclusion. On their own, on their own conclusion. Like, you cannot make someone get sober. If they don't want it. So you just look at everybody and just say... Not, no, not everybody. Not everybody, but there's people, certain guess, people in, in certain, our friend group where you're yes, like, certain one day I'm happy to have a conversation with you. Certain people I could see it. I don't know when. Maybe tomorrow, maybe 10 years from now. What are the traits that you see in these people? Literally, just like I used to be, have to drink for everything. Everything, have to do this for every, like, there's no sober, like, every day. You know what I mean? Like, to excess. But to excess to, like, a different level to where you gotta be. Somebody can get hammered every time they drink, but getting to a level where you're falling down drunk. And I'm not judging them because they're an alcoholic or an addict. Because I am that. I'm not judging you because of that. I'm judging you like, wow, like you need some help. Mm-hmm. More like. But who am I to be like? But then again, I will think to myself, who am I? I'm just a fucking addict. To these people, like, they yeah, but you have a different perspective, and I can imagine it. You know, like, I've seen it where I'm just like, like having a conversation with you, and it's like I'm, I was shit faced last night. I'll probably be shit faced again today, and I'm just like, I feel part of me almost feels guilty, where it's like. I don't know. I guess I know I, I go home, you know, Monday and I shut it off and I can do that. That's where and, you're, that's. And I, you know, hey, I'll probably start up again on Friday, but like I can shut it off. That's and I, where I, normal people can There's do. almost like a guilt where it's like, I feel bad that like I'm, sometimes I'm around sober people and I'm like wasted and then it's like, I can go home, you know, Monday and Monday to Thursday, Monday to Friday and, you know, that's where I don't even think about that, getting fucked up. Shutting it off, that shut off switch doesn't exist for me. And it's just on. It's it's on constantly, or it's off for twenty four hour periods, prolonged, hopefully forever. But like I told you, then like could relapse tomorrow. I don't know. I don't have there. I hate when people say I got this. Yeah. Or I have this. There's no having it. There's doing it every day on a constant, consistent basis. It's deep, man. It's, I think we touched on a bunch of things. I know. I know. Any parting words? No. I, I would say we hit all the bases. I think so. Yeah, right, man. Well, good. I'm happy. Uh, I'm happy that you're where you are today. And you know, I'll sit, 
sounds corny, but I, there were knowing you from I think sixth grade is when we started becoming friends. I always knew that there was a darkness in you, but I also knew that I did. There was clearly darkness. there was darkness in you, but I also always knew the softer, more reasonable, kind person. And I'm happy to see that you're at a place now where you can reflect on all the shitty stuff you did, but I think your actions speak loudly to the fact that you're volunteering, you're helping people. Like, that's who I think you truly are. No, I think, like I said, there's still, there's still darkness. Yeah, but the light shows a hell of a lot more nowadays. Yeah. Yeah. Much more positive. And ha- I'm genuinely happy for the first time ever. It's great. Ever. Like, I always was like, you know, put on a facade of happiness. But now I really am and it's crazy. It's like, I don't know. I wake up every day happy. And that's well, you have a different perspective on life now. Yeah. And I feel like when you've gone through things like that, it's tough. And you did some horrible things. And you were a terrible human being for a few years. Fact. I know. I lived it. Yeah. Uh, well, to an extent, I lived it. Yeah. I remember going to buy weed from you one time. <laughs> and you were just playing with your fucking shotgun. Do you remember that? You probably don't even remember it. I don't. I remember the gun. I remember walking up, and you were just unload. And you were like, "Jimmy, why are you so anxious?" And you were just fucking swinging around your shotgun. I was like, "Get me the fuck out of here as quickly as possible." Yeah. A note on the guns. John used to always love when I. I feel like I gotta mention John. This is wedding week. He would always love when I shot it in the backyard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he would always love them. John would always love them. All right, man. All right, man. Let's wrap it up. Happy you did this. Happy you're clean. Happy you're sober. Thanks for having me. Of course. All right, and that concludes probably the most in-depth, longest podcast I've ever done. Um, Not going to say too much in wrapping up, but what I will say is I know that there's people out there who are dealing with situations, whether it be family members or friends who are addicted to drugs, and I know we make jokes on this podcast, but I do think it's, there is a serious aspect to this about how bad um, the addiction is. And Joe is more than happy to talk to anybody. So I just want to throw that out there. <clears throat> we might as well get some sort of benefit after doing this. And I know he would be happy to speak to somebody who is looking to change their life. So reach out to me if you want his contact information. Enjoy. Thank you for listening. And thank you know, I thank Joe for being so open and honest throughout this whole process.